0: At that moment, it really like hit me like I didn't need this physical proof i didn't need to to read the words again and again i didn't need to to put myself through that like sadness you know that it would it would even though the words were joyful one hundred percent of the time i didn't need to feel that that sadness um and what I realized is I, that physical evidence was unnecessary um for my um for my continued journey in this life. I really could pull upon the words and advice and notes that she imparted on me in my conversations that I'm having with the audience here, with my athletes, with people I get on the phone with, to the conversations we have down at the beach with random strangers, to my yoga classes. And all the, this rebirth of myself over the past few years as I look back, has been probably accelerated because I wasn't attached to the physical, um, the physical proof that my mom had shared those those kind words. It was those words were actually inside of me, and I was actually using them already. They already, I already speak of love. I already speak of kindness. I speak of. Um, allowing people to be to give into their own greatness, right? I'm encouraging people to to be themselves, nothing more.
1: Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete podcast. I'm Jess. I'm here with Coach Beach and Clark and we're fireside today if you're watching this video style. Uh, We're coming to you with our December installment of Ask Yogi Triathlete, the entity, the force, the one that is guiding our way every day. And it just keeps making us do things that scare us and do things that shines a light on like our limits and our unworthiness and all that stuff. So if you are just over hearing us talk about facing your limits and facing fear, then this is not the podcast for you because this is what we're facing every day. But uh, if you are listening, this is for you. Keep going, take what resonates, leave the rest, don't wrestle with what doesn't make sense because you're missing the opportunity to work with what does.
0: So, are we diving in?
1: Well, we had some pretty profound feedback from our episode last month where we... Contemplated death. And I would I shared the majority of the perspective. And when asked, you know, what what do you want to add? You were like, no, I think that's great. Like that's perfect. You summed it up. Well, 48 hours after recording that podcast, which some people may know or may not know, why don't you fill people in on what happened 48 hours after we recorded our contemplations? On And perhaps you have a little more to share in this episode.
0: Yeah, it's funny you say that. I I think I do have a little bit more to share. (laughs) Wow. So yeah, we recorded the podcast 48 hours before my mom passed away, unexpectedly. Uh, We recorded on a Wednesday and we learned of my mom's passing on Friday. And totally unexpected. Um, You can hear in the podcast before that my perspective on death was uh, piggybacking what you, had, what you had shared. And uh, I guess I haven't had that much death you know, in my life. Um, I, I think I've shared a few um, friends growing up, like in high school, in middle school, that had passed away. Um, and my dog. Wow, I think that was my first dog.
1: That was almost your death.
0: That was almost my death. That's that's true. Yeah, it really brought me to my knees. And
1: it really was a death in a way. Mm. Like it was a the death m-
0: of the old me.
1: Yeah, the death of, sure. of uh, your attachment. Yeah. Or at least a layer of it.
0: Yeah, because I don't think we ever fully detach until we're actually detached.
1: Yeah, it's good to practice it though because like I said in the last episode, we have to detach from the body at some yeah. point.
0: Yeah, it's it's a it's a practice, it's a practice. So yeah, my mom, you know, unexpectedly passed away, and it really, whew, wow, those days, um, you know, you feel the waves of emotion, and it was so timely because the storm had moved into San Diego, which it hasn't rained here all summer, probably hasn't rained since the spring, but it brought in this big. Uh, intense storm that just brought up the waves. We had clouds, we had rain, we had rainbows. I remember waking up on Saturday morning and seeing, or was that Sunday morning? Sunday morning, there were rainbows outside our window. So there was definitely some unease in the world. And actually, I was reading an old text from Meditator Bob that you had asked him a question about the, the uh, fluidity of nature and, and do we feel do we feel the uneasiness as well as nature and, and he said, of course, we're one with nature, like we're attached. so of course, when we're, the world events and nature and the earth is in, imba- in unbalanced or is not balanced, we too can feel that um, vibration and energy so it's no wonder that weekend was was pretty intense. I went through some some of the normal emotions of, of crying, of sadness, of despair, of feeling, you know, guilty a little bit because I was out here and my whole family is, is back east and able to um, be there to, to be with my mom in her last moments in the hospital. And I had to make a decision of going back or, or being okay with how I left seeing her. And for me, and I know we're jumping right in, but for me i that that feeling i I have, I recall last summer when I went home to spend a week with my parents and I actually stayed at my parents' house um, and soaked up the conversation, sat at the table, kitchen table we had you know salad for dinner, you know, things that my mom knew would make me happy. She
1: was always trying to, I just don't think she had any idea what <laughs> vegan was, and she was always trying to um support us in the way that we ate, but it always ended up being salad. Always salad. <laughs> so if you're curious about a vegan diet, it it's a lot more than just salad.
0: It was a safe bet. It was a safe bet. Looking at my fridge at home where my parents live, it was a safe bet. So yeah, I I recall those moments and I was okay. You know, I I was okay. I think I I might've shared with you once, you know, what do you think um, if I should go back and and I express my feelings of where I was at in the decision process that I felt comfortable with the experience and um, feelings I had with my mom last summer as being the last moments that I would share with her forever physically. Right? I want to talk about the physic physicality of all this. Yes, physically in the same room with her, face to face, I see her body, she sees my body. Um but uh but flying back um in a rush to see her, uh, you know, in the hospital, um unresponsive and definitely not the last vision I did have of her. I didn't feel I didn't feel comfortable with that. Um I felt more at peace with with leaving my visual um memory of her as that point um that we experienced last summer. Yeah. So I was okay with that and I think that's that's the tremendous power one can have is is going inside to find the peace for you. And that that may not be the same peace that everybody else has. It may not be the same Calm or um, understanding that someone may have, because we're all at different points on different paths, and we have different beliefs and different experiences. And so, for me, it really, it really brought up the work that I've been doing over these past few years of reflection and. Uh, understanding that we're not the body, and understanding that um, our thoughts are everything, or, or I should say, the attention and focus we give to our thoughts um, really have a big weight on how we respond to circumstances that are as challenging as this or can be as challenging as this. so i I, I had a session with meditator bob, you you encouraged me to 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 hit him up and And it really set the tone for what I was going to be going back into, flying back east into that vibration of death, of uncertainty, of family, of um, obligation. And um, it really set the tone. Back to the thoughts, you know, Bob and I really had a, a good conversation about the intentions that I wanted to set and to... To be there to listen. My role at that point in time was to be there to listen, um, to accept, to uh, love unconditionally as my mom did. And um, I'll share with people what I shared at the church, if that's something that we a road we want to go down. Um, Is it? I don't know. Is it?
1: <laughs> I'm asking you. <laughs> You're sure. on a roll here. Sure.
0: Yeah, I feel uh my role at the um at the Mass on Saturday uh was to stand up and and share a few words about my mom because I, I had this feeling that I could make a connection between who uh the physically feeling those um that energy of my mom, like physically feeling it versus like spiritually feeling that energy forever, right? And in the moments that we had learned of her passing, I I looked around the place, our our small place here, our small home, to see if I could find any cards or notes uh, that my mom had left me.
1: Because and it wasn't because there was a scarcity of cards or notes. You probably amassed thousands of cards and notes over your lifetime with her.
0: Yeah, my mom had a extreme um, level of of uh, conveying the, the thoughts from her heart out through her mouth and onto paper. So, at at this mass, I got up and was able to share. Like I would open these cards growing up and all through my life. And um even just seeing it was from my mom, I would open it and before I even opened it, I would feel the the tug on my heart. I'd feel that swirly sensation. So I had tons of these cards and tons of little notes that my mom would leave me and I had saved them up and I think up until 2016 when we sold our house and everything in it and and had to pack everything we owned into a a little car with our golden retriever and uh, we didn't uh, rent a storage unit. So there was, that wasn't even uh,
1: not on my watch. a thought in our minds. Storage units or a whole other yeah. podcast, please don't get we, me started. We
0: will go back to that topic at some point.
1: It's the craziest thing in the whole world. It's the greatest mystery in the universe for me. Mm. Uh, I, I would agree with that.
0: <laughs> so we didn't have a storage unit, so we had to get rid of everything. And so a lot of that was photos. A lot of that was these very notes and cards that my mom had sent me. Um, and we embarked on this journey together of of freedom. Let's just call it freedom. And my mom was the biggest supporter of us. You know, she really um encouraged us to live this free life. And when I was looking around the house uh that weekend, like trying to find something of my mom, I couldn't find anything. What?
1: I'm just laughing like you couldn't.
0: I couldn't find one thing. Like
1: as a human, you're like, I have nothing. Usually of-
0: I have like an old uh, journal that I have a card stuffed in. And I looked up at my old journals, all, you know, <laughs> 20 of them. I didn't have anything in it. So at that moment, it really like hit me. Like I didn't need this physical proof. I didn't need to, to read the words again and again. I didn't need to. To put myself through that, like sadness, you know, that it would, it would, even though the words were joyful, one hundred percent of the time, I didn't need to feel that that sadness. Um, and what I realized is I, that physical evidence was unnecessary um, for my um, for my continued journey in this life. I really could pull upon the words and advice and notes that she imparted on me in my conversations that I'm having with the audience here with my athletes with people i get on the phone with to the conversations we have down at the beach with random strangers to my yoga classes and all the this rebirth of myself over the past few years as i look back has been probably accelerated because i wasn't attached to the physical um the physical proof that my mom had shared those those kind words, it was, those words were actually inside of me. And I was actually using them already. They already, I already speak of love. I already speak of kindness. I speak of um, allowing people to be, to give into their own greatness, right? I'm encouraging people to, to be themselves, nothing more. Um, And so that was the epiphany I had. And I actually shared that at church, um, which was a, a scary experience. It it could have been more scary if I didn't have the right framework. Um, and I think that that being up in in a in a church that I had not been into in a long, long time, <laughs> but I'd spent many Sundays there as an altar boy and uh, going to mass with my parents and sitting in our row, the Gumkowski row, um, it was quite, quite um, It was quite a different experience than I had anticipated. I didn't feel any hesitation or fear or doubt or judgment. I was just there to be in support of my family and to love and to celebrate this gift of my mom and what she gave to all of us. So when I was up there speaking, I really could see out at all the people. And I was composed, which more importantly allowed me to you know, really speak from my heart. And... I had to go back and watch it because they recorded it, so people who weren't church could 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 be there and and experience it. But I had to go back just to see, you know, what I said because I kind of was like like uh, muddied on recalling what I had actually said. And I had an idea of what I was going to talk about, but to me, that that and I know you believe this too, like that's just being present and speaking from true um, power, right? Just this power beams down into you. And then you're just like, it just goes out. And yeah, it was, it was a celebration. I see it as a celebration of my mom and all that she did to give the world, because this is the ripple effect, you guys, because you're listening to me and listening to you who had interactions so closely with my mom, you're going to feel the ripple effects of the love, the unconditional love that my mom um shared so often, we're turning it up,
1: but not. yeah.
0: let's <laughs> let's take this dial. Here's a big <laughs> dial. Let's turn it up. <laughs> Crank up the love. Why not?
1: Crank up the love, yeah,
0: yeah. So I don't know which what you want to dive into more, but so I, when
1: you look back on what we talked about on the podcast, would you change anything that we said?
0: I feel uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned it, but I feel the work that you do daily. With yourself allows you to um, explore a relationship with death that you may, that may be different from what most anticipate death being, if that makes sense. So, noticing and observing the interactions of people at the wake and at the funeral and their emotions with death and the sadness, um, reframing reframing your thoughts to instead bring awareness to the joy and love that my mom shared? And how can we take what she stood for and put it into action today that will make us better people and therefore make our communities stronger and more aware? And I think that, to me, has been the most prevalent, not only in this experience of death, but also also with sport. You know, not relying on past workouts and past races. Um,
1: or how fit you were in 10th grade.
0: Right. <laughs> you don't understand. I was able to run a six-minute mile. I was MVP when I was a junior. <laughs> that stuff doesn't mean anything. It's in the past. and. Yeah. Well,
1: it's like like the notes, right? It's a part of you. Okay. You were MVP when you were a junior. That's amazing. That's a part of you. So, but uh, so so trusting that strength, believing in that and using all of that belief and history to better yourself in this moment.
0: Perfect. Yeah.
1: Not going back and and looking at these memories of how great you used to be without really looking at questioning the greatness that you're sitting in now. Because I think a lot of times we look back on things as being driven from unworthiness, right? Like, oh, well, now I've got a belly and, you know, this, and I haven't been working out as much, but when I was a junior, and so that kind of makes us feel good. And so to go wrap that around, like the notes and stuff that your mom had left, there was that part of you that real human part of you that was like do I have any notes because my mom just left this earth and that would that would make me feel better even though it would bring up sadness would allow you to process emotion but then you realize that it was already a part of you and you didn't need the notes
0: yeah yeah and and that's what I want to carry on is this what's in here you know let this bubble up and spew out the yeah the love. Um, so,
1: just to reiterate the yeah. question: Would you change anything that we talked about, knowing what you know now, know, learning what, what you've learned now, what we talked about on the last podcast?
0: Uh, I don't know. I don't know. What did I? What? What's? I can't recall what I specifically had mentioned about death. Okay. Um, before, I think um, whatever I said. I think now I. I this relationship with with his, with the moments that you have is more important than anything in the world right now? And why is it that we need death to be a reminder that we need to capture this moment and then this moment and then the next moment and the next moment when we're relying on the past to be that captured memory, if that makes any sense? So if we're constantly, you know, looking back, looking back, oh, that was a great time. That was a great time, and we're not focused on trying to create a moment right here to to live in this moment to to celebrate it and to get the most out of it. Then we're we're constantly um, splitting ourselves between where we were and where we want to go, and not exactly where we are. And so, that, so if I didn't talk about it in the in the last one, it's about being uh it's i i i guess you could liken it to an athlete who um gets injured and it's their sucks enough moment so when it sucks enough they'll begin to change they'll skip their runs to do strength and mobility work because that will get them stronger in order to run again so why do we wait for that why aren't we practicing that every day a little bit. I, these are the questions I ask. So when we lose loved ones, why are, we, why are we so compelled to take action and to exactly what I'm doing, like to have more unconditional love? Why are we waiting for that to happen through death? Why can't we, why can't we just turn the volume up every day? Why can't I walk down to the boardwalk here and everybody I see say I love you? you know, or show love or, or watch my thoughts as I judge them for walking and not running or whatever it is. Um it's just it's I guess that's life, right? We only change when when things get bad enough. And why is change important? Well change change is is a state of always questioning what you're whether what you're doing is aligned with with who you are and if you're feeling if you're listening to this and you're feeling like oh I need to do something more well do that do that um, in those days that you know that weekend I remember you saying like, oh my god, I've been meaning to text this person why don't I just text them? And you picked up your phone and then you I think you did, you went on to something else and you're like no I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go walking with you and Clark. I'm going to send this person back a text because I've, I've been compelled for a while, and I'm just, you know, picking that experience out. I mean, I have done it in the past three weeks more than I've ever done it. Just reached out to someone and said, "You're amazing."
1: Yeah. yeah so there's a there's a great gift in in death, and it allows us to look at our lives. Some people will need to, what they see, they'll need to change. You know, they'll, they'll, some people are like, you know what, I need to change the circumstances of my life. And some may say, no, I don't need to change the circumstances, but I'm going to look closer on how I'm living the circumstances. So, you, you know, you might have an, a waterfront mansion and everything on the outside looks great, but death gives you this beautiful gift to reflect And to notice how you are living through your life situations and your life circumstances. And, you know, when when I reflected on your mom leaving this earth, I was so at peace with it because for me, nothing was left undone. That said, I think it's important for people to know, I never called my mother on her birthday. I never sent her a present. I never sent her a card. We didn't talk a lot, we just didn't. Your mom loved me and I loved her and it was unquestionable and that's that. This summer, you were out getting the mail and I saw her call on your phone and I picked it up. So anytime I did talk to her, it was so lovely. But I didn't talk to her a lot. And so I think it was maybe July or August, I picked up the phone and we just had the deepest, most beautiful conversation, which was not out of our wheelhouse. We always had deep, beautiful conversations. But when she left, and she left me with that gift of looking at my life circumstance, look at how I'm living my life circumstance, I just sat so assuredly in this knowing that I wouldn't change a thing. What a beautiful gift. I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't even change all of the debt that we amassed because of you know following our hearts, because that was such an important piece. And it still is an important piece, how we relate to it as we pay it down and all of that. I wouldn't change any of it because all of these roadblocks and these scary moments allowed me to be really in charge of how I was living those circumstances and those situations. So thank you, Terry. Like, What a beautiful reference point for me to be able to look and say, I wouldn't change a thing of anything I said on the podcast. I wouldn't change how I'm living my life. I'm doing the best I can with the tools I have. I'm noticing when I'm really hard on myself, um, which is something that is some is that's inherent in in my humanness. I'm you know, and I think any overachiever, or high achiever is like that. I watch that, so I just know that how I'm living my life is exactly how I want to live my life. Where I'm living my life is exactly where I'm living my life. Who I'm living my life with is exactly who I want to be living my life with. So what a beautiful gift that I was given and. Just like I say to myself all the time, if I'm being hard on myself, like you're doing great, just keep going. And so that's what I got was like, just keep going. And this wonderful knowing that nothing was left undone, that I lived in relationship with her where there was no regrets. And so I need to look at all my relationships, or I have kind of went through my family and all of that. And I feel very peaceful about the way that um, I've been living things. And, And I think um it we'd be remiss if we didn't mention uh, reconnecting with your sister who you know we haven't spoken to your sister for 6 years and i had done a lot of healing work around that and so it was funny because when i saw her and hugged her and you know and supported her and interacted with her and laughed with her and cried with her over that weekend I wouldn't change anything I did over the last six years either because I did all this work to heal whatever that disturbance of energy was. And so my relationship to that was just like, oh, this is so lovely. Now I'm in the physical with her, but my feelings didn't change at all because I had already done all this work not being physically mm-hmm. with her, which is another reinforcement that we think we need to be in the physical in order to be healed, in order to be connected, in order to you know, be a good daughter or a good sister-in-law or a good husband or whatever it is, a good partner. And we don't. We don't. Because even these bodies that we live in are organizations of energy into matter. And they are a temple, hundred percent a temple. We are the highest evolved beings on this earth, and we have the greatest opportunity to raise our consciousness. And I think talking about death, and not that we're going to do this every episode, you guys, you're going to get you're going to get some time off until somebody else decides <laughs> to make their transition. Um, but like we we, it's it's almost like the meat packing industry, right? It's like we are we are so protected from seeing behind the scenes. We are so protected from death. In, in the rituals that we do after somebody passes, we live like we're not going to die. We talk to people like we're not going to die. We live our lives in a way where we just think we've got all this time and as uh, Bob said to me, so you were already gone and I had a session with Bob and we were talking about a few things and we were talking about time and he was like, he must have said it like five times and he was getting like really passionate about it. He was like, time is death. Time is death, Jess. Time is death. Present moment is timeless. When we're meditating and we are going in, we are, get, we are creating deepening and creating the relationship with the part of us that never dies, the part of us that is timeless. And that is a relationship that needs to be cultivated. Not needs, well, it does. It needs to be cultivated in all senses of that word. But yeah, time is death. Every single moment that is ticking right now is getting us all closer to that date. So.
0: Which is time-stamped on the bottom of our feet that we never get to see.
1: Right? <laughs> I was going to say that, but I left <laughs> oh, okay. out. I was like, nope, not going to say that. Uh, <laughs> I just, I think it's a, I don't know, I did, I,
0: that concept never well, really resonated with me.
1: Explain that concept. That it's a, little, it's a little edgy. It may, may rock people a little bit. That but, we're all born. But I mean, I've heard Julie Piatt talk about the yeah. death, the death date. We death all have date. a death it's date. It's on the
0: bottom of our feet, and we, we can't see it and it's it's already determined it's stamped no matter, right on no there no matter what we do it's in permanent ink um sharpie <laughs> um all
1: the details are underneath it
0: and we can't see it and so i guess the the belief behind it is like so just keep living your day to your to its fullest doing what you love and and what brings you joy because you don't know the day so you better make sure that you're making the most of the moment which is Tied into what you were just talking about. And that pres the power to bring yourself into presence consistently is a is a superpower. That should be a super presence, captain presence. You know, like that's the superpower. It really is. To to hone in that attention from everything that's happening, the stimulus outside, and just be able to beam it right back to this moment, to this conversation that you and I are having, and to be here in in this essence of, of living life. Like that's miraculous. It's amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's so many beautiful things that came out of this experience with your mom making her transition. And, you know, one of which was becoming um, physically close and with my sister-in-law again and um, her kids, my niece and nephew who, gosh, were just so amazing so amazing. And her daughter, my niece, Riley, it's like I just feel like she's an extension of my soul. I spent time with her. I've been texting her and FaceTiming <laughs> with her. She's like my because she's her- like my good friend. And and these kids that didn't understand the history or the disturbance that we humans have with each other were just like, they were just like these clean slates. It was so beautiful. And so and it's been wonderful to reconnect and, and I feel really grateful for that. So thank you, Terry. Um, I feel really grateful for everything that I was able to reflect on. Um, and, and also like that opportunity, gave, uh, that opportunity gave us days of using our tools and man, those tools work.
0: Yeah, so prof- <laughs> so profound, the work that we have done every day. And even, I would say, even, like, I can think back to the times in the car, traveling across the country when you and I were in the middle of nowhere. I don't think we were listening to a radio and we were like, where are we going to stay? We couldn't find a place to stay. In those moments, I feel like we were being put to the test to to build this muscle of, how can you stand firm and calm in the most intense, challenging moments in life? And to allow them, to not, to not block them out, but to allow them in, sit with it, and then let them move on. And then repeat, and then repeat. And you constantly repeat this process to a point where it's not that you numb out, it's just that you Understand that it's only temporary, that it will come again, and it's our it's our right to gain back this um, power to control our actions because we do have a choice, so we're taking back that power of choice and owning it, saying, like, yeah, I do have the power to choose and I may not choose the right path this time, And I'm going to continue to go down that until it's bad enough, back to that reference. But I will come to a point where I I understand that I do have this power to choose and I'm going to choose another way. And the more you do that, this power you take back allows you to see the perspective that you like to share on the Awake Athlete um, podcast is that 10,000 foot view of everything and say like, well, I've seen that before. And I know that's not true, so I can let that pass. I've seen that before. I'm going to sit in it because I have a little bit more learning to do and then let that pass. And you just continually repeat that and exercise that muscle. So the the muscle that you and I, let's just say we invested thousands of dollars into this journey across the country to grow ourselves together and individually um, allowed us to navigate this experience, not with ease, but with much less Intensity than it would have um, speak for me. Then I would have experienced it in a different way, even just you know four or five years ago.
1: Well, you wouldn't have let her go so easy. So that is one thing that we've um, we dove deep in with Meditator Bob, and Meditator Bob is an enlightened being. So um, for sure, he understands death and, and the journey of the soul without question, and. The importance of letting her go. The importance of letting her go is so important because when we say, "Oh, they've been gone. They were gone too soon." Oh my God! I wish they were back here. We're we're tethering them, and we're not allowing for that soul to fully expand into into their next existence. Whatever, whatever that looks like. Yeah, Mm, yeah, Uh, yeah. Letting her go, and so, and the other thing is, you know, in a in a in a relationship like ours is, you know, just being really raw around one another. Like if a wave came, like, blah, you know, and letting it come and crying and and feeling the pain and like the the football in your throat mm-hmm. and all of that, right? And then when it goes, being okay with it going and not being like, I need to, I need more. I need to, you know, repent and feel really sad. It's okay to laugh. In fact, um, let's tie this up with one of the funniest things your mom, <laughs> oh my God, one of the funniest things is that my mother-in-law did not understand and we never told her, we never corrected this, but she did not understand what LOL meant. So, um, Lots of laughs, right? Isn't that what it means?
0: No, laugh out loud.
1: Yeah, okay, laugh out loud. Laugh so laugh, yeah. Yeah, laugh out loud. And my mother-in-law, being just the sweetest, just such a pure soul, like just so loving and accepting of everything, she thought it meant lots of love. So she would send us texts, and, or we would send her something like, oh, you know, our dog has cancer, you know, like something like that, and she'd send back, LOL, and we were like, what is she doing? And we I was, we were like, oh my God, she thinks it's lots of love and not laugh out loud. So that was yeah. like such a funny thing that she used to do because she knew she was involved in the church. So she knew everybody who was, you know, who was leaving the earth and being born and, you know, tragic accidents. And it would always end with LOL. And we were like, this, she can't. She can't can't. know what this means. Like she just has no idea what this means. (laughs) It was awesome. I loved it. But uh, one thing that Beege and I were really open to when we went back east, which was like so unbelievably mind-blowing. I think one of the most mind-blowing conversations was with our sister-in-law, sister-in-law, Maura, who was talking with your dad about... And she, he, your dad had her on speakerphone. And she's talking about the Awake Athlete Podcast and she's talking about how she listens to it on her walk and she's talking about the Yogi Traathlete Podcast. And at her gym. Yeah, at her gym. And like somebody walked up to the gym and then they were in M21 that Golden Duffy and I were doing. And it's just... So this trickle effect of what's happening, and this was, you know, your mom was always such a big supporter of ours to live life the way we wanted to live it, which is from our heart. And the stories that people, people that you would be like, so far from being an endurance athlete is like taking away these amazing teachings from our guests, from a wake athlete, from you and I talking and they're putting this stuff into action. And wow, what another gift that we were given from your mom's passing was just this, I call it fuel to continue. It's just fuel because this path has not been easy, you guys. This has not been easy. This has been a really, really tough go. And But those messages that you send us, The emails that you send us, um, talking to us at the wake, (laughs) like, Maura, um, so amazing. We love you. Keep listening. Keep putting this stuff into action. This is how we create a better world, you guys. This is how we create a better world, by putting better things into the world, by going in and cleaning up our inner house, getting into those corners. You know those closets that you don't want to open because everything's going to come crashing out? Open them up. Take a breath. It's okay. We make such a big deal about our stuff.
0: It's just stuff.
1: And that just makes it so much bigger.
0: Like, strengthens the bond of attachment.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it was it was really cool. I mean, and i loved, I've got several sister-in-laws and I just loved being with them and we were laughing and we were having a great time and, and that's what your mom would want, Absolutely. you know? And And also Absolutely. to honor the waves. Honor the waves of emotion as they went through. And they came through, yeah, so... It was, uh, yeah, it was really amazing. And then we got to spend some time with our dear, dear, dear friend Valerie and her husband Sean, which was like after 36 hours of like wake and funeral and, and all of that. And then we went to their house and they built a fire outside. And it was just like, we laughed and... We just, we talked about a lot of really inappropriate things. It was (laughs) so wonderful. We we drank
0: the sacred cacao. We drank
1: sacred cacao. One World
0: cacao, which probably opened up a few, uh, a little bit.
1: Oh my gosh. Um, It was just so amazing. You know, like death really puts stuff in perspective. This, this, this life is a game, you guys. This is a school that we go to every day. And the things that we think are so, freaking important are, they're just not that important. They're They're just not that important. They're just, if it disturbs you, then there's something there for you. There's, and you can overcome it. You can overcome anything. We can overcome anything. That's what we're here to do is to overcome the things that hold us back. So live life like today is your last. And not that that means you live in fear. If anything, that means walk this earth without fear. That's my life's motto. Walk, I walk this earth without fear. That doesn't mean I'm irresponsible. That doesn't mean I don't understand what's going on. It means I am not buying into that fear that keeps me from living.
0: Well, I think that's uh, the victim mentality. Yeah. The, the, the feeling that people are out for you and things are out for you.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a that's a it's a heavy way. I, I've been there. That's a heavy way, but there's a way out for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. So, it, like, it's a change in mindset. It's really what thoughts you want to focus on.
1: Yeah, if you,
0: I, I don't know how clear this this can be. Like,
1: it's too simple though for a complicated mind. Like, it's too simple. I mean, I even. Like, I'm constantly bringing myself back to the basics, right? Because the mind wants to complicate everything. It wants to create problems so it can solve problems. And the thing is, is like what you're just saying, it's like, it's really the, the solution is so easy.
0: Yeah. And I'm not trying to say I have the answer and I'm like this perfectly present human being. What I'm saying is, I am so onto my thoughts and belief systems that I can challenge them more often than I ever have in the past. And when you start to challenge that stuff, you start to get to the, you unearth the, the layers that have been keeping your best, most amazing, joyful self um, exposed to the world. You've been stuffing it down. Like this is, question everything and bring up that that lovely human spirit, that life force that's inside of you, and bring it out and share it with the world, and don't care what other people say. It doesn't matter. If you find joy and happiness in what you're doing, it doesn't matter. I will lick what anybody else is. If you find joy is. and
1: happiness in what you're doing, it is one hundred percent what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, it's your birthright. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that that's a good um, segue. Let's let's backtrack <laughs> okay, from let's, let's backtrack from death to injury. I know you want, you said you wanted to talk to in about injury, yeah. so um, why don't you lead us into this?
0: Well, let's talk about yours. Okay, because I think that's a. A, a good place to be. I don't want to, you know, selectively. I love to
1: celebrate my latest injury. Pull
0: out athletes that we work with, <laughs> um, but I'd like to share with the, with the with the audience um, what you're going, what you have gone through, and, and where you are are uh, where you are at now, and the essence of it can be applied to anybody's injury or opportunity that they're experiencing currently. So go ahead. What's like, what is the biggest thing that's been smack dab in front of your face the past three or four months?
1: What do you mean, what's been in front of my face? Your foot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's been longer than that. So when I was getting ready to go uh, to Bryce Canyon in May to do the 50-miler, that was at the end of May. Yeah, end of May. And the week before, I just went out for a little run, and I felt in my right foot, which... um Like the right foot's never been the issue, right? It's always been like rehabbing the left one from an old injury that I had snowboarding. And so the right foot, I just felt this really sharp, really hot, like pulling. It felt like there was like an anchor into the base of my calcaneus, so the bottom of my heel. It felt like there was like this... metal anchor, like a nail in there. And then somebody was pulling on the nail. It was hot. And I was like, oh, that's super interesting. So I stopped, didn't feel it again. Went and did Bryce, didn't feel it, nothing, nothing. So quote unquote, no warning signs. However, anything that, you know, shows up in the body has been building, 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 you know, and you know everything is energy, so this is some energy that's been trapped, that's been festering, and um, you know injury. I I celebrated to a degree because, um, well, I celebrate it a hundred percent because because it's all opportunity. It's opportunity to heal. It's the way I look at it is oh my gosh, finally whatever has been trapped in here is now at the surface and it's leaving. That's amazing. I don't have to carry it anymore. Because I don't, I look at injury as energy. So that is a huge perspective that really helps lighten the load when you're carrying an injury. And then I came back from Bryce, June, um, started running, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then like it would show up again. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And then in July, I sent a boxer to Dave and I said, Dr. Dave,
0: who was on the last podcast. Dr.
1: Dave. And I said, and patting myself on the back, going, yeah, it's been like, Six weeks, like, look at me, crushing the injury game. Like, I'm not waiting three years. Like, how many times have I been like, well, it's kind of been bothering me for like two years. I was like, six weeks. Like, I think it was like six or eight weeks at that point since the first time I, I felt it. And I left him a Voxer and I was, you know, told him, I said, it's just hot. Feels like I got shot in the heel at close range. Like, I just, it couldn't even put my heel on the ground. It it was so in- acutely inflamed. It was a high level of discomfort and pain. And, uh, and I was running through it. And, you know, I kept going and all of that. And he, when he boxed me back, he goes, geez, six to eight weeks. I'm so sorry you've been feeling it that long. And that was like a wake up. Like that was like one of these aha moments where I was like, yeah, six to eight weeks. Wow. He thinks that's a long time. I thought it was a very short period of time. It's for sure the shortest period of time that I've ever seeked assistance. And then I thought, yeah, like I remember one of the first things that Dave said is like, pain is common, but it's not normal. So he has a very low tolerance, like a mental, like he has this very low tolerance, like you, you don't need to be in pain, you know? And, and so that's one of the things I love about him is uh he doesn't believe that you need to be in pain and as endurance athletes part of our job is to embrace pain and to be you know comfortable in the uncomfortable and all of that and um it was very clear that i needed to stop running so i stopped running and um started walking that was still it was still painful i started barefoot walking on the beach it was like I don't know if this is like risk versus reward kind of thing like this isn't really helping me and then I ended up buying a bike and then I got to look at my training peaks and my little chart and my fitness started to go back up and I really didn't have any hesitation with buying the bike at all I knew I was going to buy a bike for probably like the last 6 to 9 months I knew I was going to buy a bike I knew it was going to happen so It was literally like one day I'm like, okay, I'm going to get it. I already knew what I was going to get, but got the bike, got everything with it, and um, just kept focusing on what I could do. So when I met with Dave in July, he gave me some new exercises to do, right? Because I was like, well, I'm doing my strength. You know, I don't really need to see Dave. And I'm like, no, because I've been doing the exercises the whole time, but I've still got this injury, so there's got to be something I'm missing. And uh, so he gave me these new exercises that, oh my gosh, like really brought me to my knees, uh, a couple of them, but I just kept doing them every day, breathing every day, every day, every day, no change, no change, no change, no change, no change, like no change. It wasn't budging. It was not budging. It was hot, it was inflamed, it hurt to walk. It was so pin- Remember I was like, mm-hmm. it's like this tiny little pinpoint right here that is just so incredibly painful. And then I started to notice that I wasn't thinking about it as much. And that's a huge sign of healing when you're not thinking about it as much. And uh, something else that I did was I bought shoes that had cushion because this was definitely about protecting the area. So I bought these shoes. The company is Kariuma, C A R I U M A. Super cool, uh, really cool styles. They have vegan styles, which you know is a priority for me. And um, they have a cork and foam, uh, cork and memory foam insole. And those immediately started to feel really good. And kept doing the exercises and all of that. And then uh, went out and you know was like, okay, I think I'm ready to test it. So. This is now September. I think I'm ready to test it. Maybe, yeah, September probably. And you were like, okay, run like no more than 15 seconds at a time. So what did I do? I ran like 30 seconds, 45 seconds at a time and had this whole story, came back to you and was like, yeah, I did like 30 seconds and then I walked a minute and then I did 30 seconds and I walked a minute. And you were like, that seems like a lot. And I immediately was like, not listening to the coach. I was like, well, 15 seconds wasn't enough. It wasn't giving me time to warm up, right? Limitation, limitation, excuse, excuse. And you were
0: fighting for the limitation. I was totally
1: fighting for my limitations. Like, that's not enough time, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? Like, then I was out of the game completely because it fired everything back up. And I was like, oh, all right. So then I started walking again. And just really being so grateful. I can't tell you how profoundly different... My relationship with injury is now from what it was when, you know, 2000 and uh, I think it was 2006, I was training for my first marathon and my calf, uh, for the lack of a better word, just like popped on a training run and I was like, All right, you get to what I was on the South Boulder Creek Trail. I was crying. Craig Alexander runs by me. I'm crying. I'm, you know, I feel so bad. This is prior to me getting my I Love Running shirt, and I was, and I said to myself, okay, you can cry to the street, and then, and then just, just stop, stop being such a baby about it. So I was definitely, I was so hard on myself. Like, stop being such a baby about it. And, you know, toughen up and all that stuff. And just fought that injury and, you know, like secretly cried and then beat myself up for that and was just so attached and whatever. Ended up doing the marathon. But just so much like just vital energy just all over the place because I was a victim to this thing that happened. And, um, but that's what worked for me then. And so that was perfect. And incrementally over time as these things have shown up in my body, I have gotten better and better because I get better and better every day in every way. And I never, this whole injury, I can tell you, I never had a poor me moment. I had that one moment where I fought for my limitations where I was like, no, you can't run 15 seconds, you need to run 30 seconds. It doesn't even matter. Like, <laughs> it, doesn't matter. it doesn't matter. If you're fighting for 15 seconds of running, maybe you shouldn't be running. Right? We're not talking about going out and doing 50 miles. But it was so cool because it took me so far back from running that I was like, I can't believe I did 50 miles in May. Like, I can't even imagine going out and walking to the mailbox without pain. But I was just in gratitude the whole time. Like, what can I do? I can do yoga. I can I have I can take a hundred dollars and I can buy these shoes. I can get a bike. I can do these things that um, allow me to move the body, to stay fit, to stay strong. Um, and uh, so I was really grateful f- the whole time. I, did, did you feel like, I don't feel like I was, am I missing something?
0: No, I think your your perspective on injury was like it It wasn't your first and it definitely won't be your last. So what can I take from this experience now, what can I learn from it, work through it and get back to running and then when the next one comes, it'll be even easier and then the next one after that, it'll be even easier than that. Yeah, like this
1: has been a breeze and this has been an injury that has taken me out of running more than anything. In my entire 15 years of doing endurance sports, I have never been taken out of running as long as I have. I mean, its I went on the trail the other day, first time since August. Like, it's been months.
0: But, but the mind is going back saying like, oh my God, Like, I was on the trail, it was so awesome back then. And now you're back on the trail. And yeah, it was six months, right? Yeah. But it was such a short period of time yeah. in, in this life.
1: Right, and like, time is death. And so, time is death so let's not recall time.
0: <laughs> let's just be grateful that you're able to get out there and be on the trail. And so no, I didn't. I don't think you ever went down a hole. No. I think you fought me on that one.
1: Yeah, and that, that was it. Moment. And
0: then once you embraced it, like you were like, oh my god, this is awesome. Fifteen seconds every every minute, I get to run. Cool. I love it. And now that's what you're doing.
1: And I'm running. So once I recovered from the 30-second and 45-second running, which was way too much, you guys. I literally had to recover from that because I set myself back. But that was good. And then um, it was good because I went out and walked one day and was like, gosh, I feel nothing. So I did 15 seconds. I was like, oh, my God, that feels amazing. And I started to feel what it was like to run again. I didn't need thirty seconds to warm my. Butt. I was ready to run. I wasn't ready before, so when I didn't, when I felt awkward and painful with fifteen seconds, and then the ego said, "Oh well, you're not warmed up enough." Really, the truth was I wasn't ready to run. I wasn't ready, and so, but I learned that, um, and uh, and now I'm doing this run. Walking thing, and I absolutely love it. I just went on the trail today for the second time, and because the trail adds a whole other, um, you know, lots of different things, in, you know, unsteadiness, instability. And I wasn't ready for yeah. that for you know the last couple months. But if y- so, you've asked me, you know, how does it feel? How does it feel? And it's like it feels like there's absolutely nothing wrong. It feels like I have no. There's nothing wrong. It's I don't think about it anymore. Um, yeah, it's healed, but that doesn't mean that I go out and go run a 10k. That means I continue to do this. Then, when you tell me, because I'm gonna listen to my coach. Sometimes I fight him, but most part I listen to him. When you tell me I can increase it, then I'll increase it. But what, so and I have no races
0: on the right. So map. as a as a coach, it, it, I don't find you know glory and joy in holding back athletes. I find. I find joy and glory in in, in guiding them to a, a safe return to the sport that they love, setting them up for success every step along the way. So if that means you run 15 seconds on the minute for the next two or three weeks or to the end of the year, that's awesome. There's nothing to rush into. You will know when the time is right to to go longer. And And so for someone out there who's saying like, but... But I need to I need to, to run you know I need to run twenty minutes or thirty minutes I need to run an hour like I used to be doing, yeah you will it may look different in the in the way you get there it may look different for you you may be doing your first hour run strictly on um, flat trail just to allow your body to 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 be able to do that and and maybe all these uh, hilly trail. Um, Workouts you're doing are strictly just hiking and maybe a little bit of running. But it's, a, it's about ending each workout on top, not depleted, not in pain, and not suffering. Going out on top so that you, we are feeding that, that brain, but also we're feeding the, the heart by allowing you to do what you love. And if the brain is constantly feeling good things, many little wins, oh, this is like three weeks I've been running now. Three weeks, like, that's amazing. Um, but you have, this is where the work comes in. You have to be onto it to know that it's okay to continue this, that it doesn't give you the pass to say, okay, well, I've got this now. I'm going to go out and run, you know, half an hour and um, and. Get this thing kicked into high gear.
1: Yeah, because you know, as I recover from these run walks, like I feel it. Like my body is still getting used to the impact of running again. But one thing I wanted to just end with is that I, you know, would really go into some deep reflection and journaling about this. And what I came up with was like, if I in those times where I was like, I can't even imagine walking to the beach without feeling discomfort. I remember just thinking and really coming to peace with like, if I never run again, I'm so happy. Like I nothing with my state of being was affected by it. And so I think what that shows me is detachment. And so did I focus on detachment from running? No, I just, I sit down every morning, I shut my eyes, I shut my mouth, I don't move, and I go in. And all of these incredible things come from that these this this the byproducts the trickle effect of just sitting and and being quiet and being still it's it's profound it it uh it infiltrates every facet of your being and your life and your experience and and how you live through those experiences so yeah good job Jess i feel really good about where i'm at and i'm excited to be back running but I'm not like, oh my God, thank God I'm back running. I'm just like, okay, this is just like another day of joy and moving my body and being grateful. And whether that's me running or not running, it, running or not running doesn't, doesn't shake that.
0: No, and, and if you're listening to this and you're wondering how you can get to that level of detachment from let's say running, uh, I ask our athletes to go general, go more general and to find out what it is that about the running that they love and what brings them joy. And in your experience, you got a bike, like you just kept moving. So we have another, we have two more athletes on our team who, who are having ch- opportunities in their running and have turned to cycling, even though it wasn't something that they had ever thought about. So when you go general and you get curious in the time in the morning that you spend with yourself and you find out that at the very essence of running, you like to be fit and you like to move. That's general. I like to move and I like to be fit. How it happens is where the attachment comes in, the specifics. And that's where you start to question your beliefs and, and your stories about how things have to be. If you continually stay general Allow the general to take over for a while so that you you can continue momentum moving like you did um, with the biking and swimming and then and then see where that takes you and have trust that even though these things that you're doing aren't in your wheelhouse or haven't been, there's no reason they can't become part of your toolbox that you can use later on down the road.
1: Yeah, and I think that The gratitude that I have practiced really my whole life because my mom was always instilling that in me my whole life, but none more so in the last like four years, gratitude, it just gratitude is gratitude. You're grateful. Whether you're running or you're not running, you're grateful. And so that is really cool. I think the biggest opportunity that this injury gave me was to realize that this unshakability that I speak of, this unshakability that I go in and visit every day within me, it really is has a lot of robustness in my life. And uh, so I'm really grateful for that. And um, yeah, a little bit every day over a long period of time. And that's the recipe. And And uh, that's how it is for performance and that's how it is for mindfulness and meditation and taming the mind. This is all about taming the mind and being in control of what thoughts you're indulging and, you know, what feelings and emotions you're expanding and being able to feel what moves through you without creating more of it if that's not what you desire. There you go. All right. right.
0: There's another one.
1: We're signing off. Death. Death and injury. injury. Okay, hope you guys are feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, these are two important things that, you know, we um, we fear so much, you know? And there's no better way to get injured than to be fearful of being injured. It really is. I mean, because that fear is just going to bring you exactly what you don't want. And that goes for, for everything. Uh, what you focus on expands.
0: Focus on what you want, not what you don't want you <smart noise>